Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week I have the brilliant Casey O'Rourke with me on the show. Uh, I had the pleasure of being on Casey's show, the Joyful Courage podcast, a couple of weeks ago now. Gosh, yeah. time is just like evaporating. I know. Um, and it was such a great conversation and we decided to continue it. So Casey is here with us today. And Casey is the facilitator of uh, personal growth and development for the last 15 years. Her work has encouraged parents to discover the purpose of their journey and provided them with tools and a shift of mindset that has allowed them to deepen their relationship with themselves and with their families. Casey is a positive discipline lead trainer and coach, and she is the adolescent lead with Sproutable. So you are coming with a wealth of information and lived experience because we have a kiddo who's about the same age. So yeah, I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here. And thank you to everybody that's listening for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's the best part, right? Is when we are able to make connection with the people who are listening. We're like, you said this thing and I felt like somebody saw me. Mm. And that's the that is the intention of the work. So thank you for mentioning that. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Casey. So who are you and how did life introduce you to this version? I love this question. Who am I? Who am I today? Right? Mm -hmm. This version of me. So yeah. I've recently turned 50. I have I'm a mother of young adult children, although one is still in high school, but he just turned 18. And the transformation, it's one of those ages in my experience where the shift, it really has felt like an overnight shift in him and his maturity and just how I see him. So, you know, midlife, grown, you know, 
growing young adult children. Um, I've been married. I'm a wife. I've been married for, it'll be 25 years next summer. That relationship is in an evolution, a transformation, I guess. <laughs> it's like 25 <laughs> years is a long time, right? Like, who are you? Um, and I am really just feeling very dropped in and connected to the impact that I get to make on parents and families and the stand that I get to take for their teenagers. I feel, um, you know, having, like you said, the lived experience, um, not out of the, I mean, still in the lived experience of parenting a hundred percent, but, and, and, but it's a new place. And so, you know, feeling ever more confident and connected to the support that I give to parents, um, the space that I hold for parents of tweens and teens. And, you know, for me, the people that come to me to work with me, it's like the last ditch effort, right? right? I mean, I guess it's not the last ditch ever, but it's, it's that place before, like, do we need to send them away? Like what's, and so, you know, there's a lot of expectation from the people that come to me and I really, I don't, um, subscribe to the idea that there's, okay, well, this is the formula for getting your kids to do what you want. I center relationship in the work that I do which also requires a lot of humility from parents and some inventorying of how they've been showing up. And, you know, sometimes I get off calls and I'm like, damn, look at the balls on me. You know, like, <laughs> look what I just invited them into. Cause it would be so much easier to say like, well, first you do this and then you do this and then this will be the outcome. But you know, you know, we're talking about human beings and it's just not that simple. It's not that simple. So I feel like there's a new level at this age and time and stage of my life. There's a confidence and there's a, like, in the best sense of the word, a sense of entitlement. Like I'm not new, you know, I've been around <laughs> yes. and I, you know, they say, oh, I, I, you know, I don't give any Fs anymore. And I am kind of starting to feel that, which is really nice as someone who's definitely not been crippled by, but definitely affected by wanting people to like me. Right. I mean, I'm always in awe of people who are like, I don't care what people think about me. I'm like, really? How do you do that? Because I care. And that's not gone, but it definitely is so much farther down the list of what I think about or care about. So yeah, that's who I am today. Lisa, <laughs> that's, that's a, a long answer. <laughs> that's a long list <laughs> at the end. Like one of the things I re I and I continue to work on this myself. And the reason I switched from tell me your story to who are you is because it's the central question that I work with with clients is who mm -hmm. are you now? Yeah. And for them, for a lot of us, at, like you were saying, at this phase of life, it's the first time we're kind of making decisions for ourselves with, outside of the gaze of other people, mm -hmm. right? Outside of yeah. the influence, outside of the, so getting to know who we are is so important. And we almost always start with our roles, right? The roles that we play. 
Yeah, I did. Didn't I just do that? I just did that. (laughs) But that's what I mean. That's what we do, right? Yeah. But I loved that you came to the point of like, no, I am, I am confident and I'm standing in my power now. Yeah. Which is that I've never heard anyone use like entitlement in that way before. (laughs) I know. I don't, I'm kind of playing, but I do feel like you all should be coming to me. Yes. Like, you know, I've, I'm in spaces now, right? Like I love to go out and see live music and I live in a college town and it's so funny sometimes to go out and see music and realize, oh God, there's about four of us over 30 in this room and I'm one of them, you yes. know? I mean, it's, but I'm also like, do you guys realize who's in the room with you? Youngins? Yeah, because I should be asking questions. You should be. (laughs) Where's your notepad? (laughs) I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way too. I'm like, look, I did some really hard slogging for a long time. Like, let's just talk so that you can, you're still going to have to live your shit. Like, that's going to happen. However, it would be really great also if we can have a conversation so you don't find yourself at 45 going, well, Nobody ever told me about this part of life. Yeah. How come I don't even know that this phase exists? Yeah. Because then you can start doing the thinking and the unraveling or maybe avoid some of the unraveling that has to happen. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to think about nobody ever told me. And is that an accurate statement or is it Mm -hmm. how were we able to receive? Right. Like, I mean, my dad dropped a lot of truth bombs. One of my favorites that he always would say is it only gets better case. It only gets better. Like I'm in high school loving everything. And he's like, I see you and it only gets better. And I'm like, okay, right. You know, and then college and my twenties and my thirties. And, you know, I really, I mean, I don't know if that's the truth, but it's definitely the mindset that I want to live inside of like, yeah, great. Everything only gets better. And I'm enjoying right now, right? Mm -hmm. The presence of right now, as well as holding like excitement for what's ahead and, and realizing like, even with my kids, you know, my daughter will be 21 coming up here shortly. And you know, it's so nice to be in a place where she, she doesn't always want to hear what I have to say, but it's not dis- immediately dismissed, mm-hmm. right? Like if I ask, can I, hey, can I offer something? You know, a lot of times it's via text message. I send, I laugh at all the memes of kids, you know, like, oh yeah. my God, my parent, my parents send me a paragraph. I'm like, oh, I can, <laughs> I can send three paragraphs <laughs> all yes. in one text. They're like, God, mom, but her, her, she's so much more willing to receive. She still has to have her experiences, but it's nice to be in a place where, and I got to check myself too and make sure I'm not (laughs) totally bombarding her with everything I think, which is a practice in and of itself for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Age and aging and seasons of life. It's fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. I agree. It is absolutely fascinating. And I think you're sort of going into the world of like how we talk to each other between gen- between generations in a way that we can actually listen yeah. right, and be present and hear each other. And that's so when you ask that question, like nobody ever told me, is that true? 
for me, in some cases it is because my, my, my mom died at 52. Mm -hmm. So she was, she, and she had just entered into a career because she had been the caretaker of the family. She sort of, she sacrificed herself for our family and for my dad so that he could be a teacher and a principal. And so she really was just entering into what the phase that I'm in now. And so I didn't get to watch. I didn't Mm -hmm. get to see um, what that looked like for her. And when my, when my grandmother was going through it, I was so young, I was not paying attention. So that, and that was, and she worked, she was also a woman who was ahead of her time. She worked as an x-ray technician and then until she retired and then had this great like life with my grandfather for a little while, which was lovely. Um, but there really hasn't been a lot for me personally, there really hasn't been a lot of narrative through the generations around this part of womanhood where I was talking to another guest a couple of weeks ago who referred to it as, um, the queendom. It's like, not quite How ready for grown, not quite ready for grown yeah. yet. Definitely like moving out of maiden and mother and into queendom. And I was like, preach sister. Yes. I love that. I'm into it. <laughs> Yes. I'll wear that crown. Right? <laughs> I, lo- I loved the archetype of that. And so how do we, when we were in in these, you know, this queendom phase, how do we communicate with people like that intergenerational on either side so that we can yeah. share the collective wisdom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting to think about our mothers and our grandmothers, and I'm real sorry that you lost your mom. And, but I also think about, I was doing the math as you said that I was like, so when my mom was 50, I was 27 Mm. and I was just starting to, I was married and hadn't had kids yet. And I was just starting, actually just starting to re to heal my relationship with my mom. Um, cause we had a long period of time that was just a, an estrangement. Is that the right word? Estrangement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I lived two States away. So I don't, I also don't, I don't have a clear picture other than, you know, she did, she was moving into a third marriage, which then moved out of that third marriage. And, you know, the other thing about who I am right now too, in this season is this feeling of openness and expansiveness as my Mm -hmm. youngest, he's a senior, right? Yeah. But he's so self-sufficient and self-reliant and he's got one foot out the door and I, I can see, and you know, some days it's really like, Oh, Uh baby, (laughs) you know, and other days, you know, I'm making plans to travel the world. Right. Yeah. And so when I think about how we communicate, how we hold, well, first I I think it's more of how we be Uh right. How do we communicate? Yes. But who do we be in that communication? Um, you know, I want to stay really available. Like I want to project availability. Like I want, and it's with my work, with my kids, with my family, you know, I want to be, I want to be someone who's open, somebody Mm -hmm. who is approachable, um, and also authentic and real. And I, you know, that's something I think is, is one of my superpowers Mm -hmm. because I don't really know how to not be like, on the sleeve and Mm -hmm. 
exposed, some would say maybe I'm over, <laughs> like I overdo it, but I, you know, it's like what I'm going through is what's alive for me and how I'm showing up. So I think as the queen, you know, mm -hmm. I want people, I don't want to be on a pedestal. I don't want to be, I want to be available and approachable. And I get to also recognize, continue to recognize, which is what my work's all about. And you've already mentioned, you know, there is an unfolding that we all move through. Mm -hmm. Life is the best, is the best teacher, is the wisest sage, is the opportunity to grow and develop. If I can hold space for someone in the processing and making sense of what is alive for them? I'm happy to do that. Um, and I wish there was like a magic way of like, here's how I'm going to help you not do, not have the regrets that I have or hold the, mis make the mistakes that I made. But I just think that it's all part of our, like, it's such a collective experience life, but it's also such an individual experience. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's kind of how I'm holding it. Yeah, I think it's really beautiful. And there was, so there's two things that you, you've talked about that have brought something to the surface for me. And one was when you were talking about this families that you serve, that they're, they're sort of the last stop before they send their kids away. And I actually haven't thought about this in forever, but when I was going to teacher's college and it also was the year before I got married. So I live in Canada. I was going to teacher's college in Buffalo. So it was a two day week program. And when I came home, I was working at a residential school for girls who mm. were, it, that was their last stop before jail or a treatment facility, essentially. Wow. And many of them were American and God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could have been. I mean, there were Canadians there too. I just, I was like, actually, many of them did come from the U.S. Interestingly, um, and it was this little school that was literally in the middle of nowhere. It was in. Yeah. It was called the Rockland on Rockland Academy in the middle of nowhere, and in the spring when I was finished, when I had graduated and I had a little bit of time. So I had always felt like there was kind of this tension between me and them. And I worked in the residence. So I was there on the weekends doing all the residence stuff, interacting with them, not on an academic level, on a, on a more yeah. personal level. And it was, after... and how old were you? Were you like early twenties? Oh yeah. I was 20, yeah. 23. 23, 24. It right. was just before I was getting married. Yeah. So I really wasn't that yeah. much older than they were in reality. Yeah. And in the spring after I had graduated, they highlighted something for me that actually has been a lesson that I've taken throughout the rest of my life. And that was when I was able to let go all of my, like, because of my stress that I was holding for school and all of that stuff, they were like, we thought that you were such a bitch, but you're really not. You're... <laughs> You're able, but it was when I was able mm -hmm. to show up as my true self, when I could let go of all of the other stuff that I was holding, that I was able to actually see them and they could actually see me. And that, yeah. um, thank you. I didn't realize how foundational that has been, but it certainly was a foundation for how I approached parenting teens. And that was yeah. in not letting my stuff get in the way of the relationship that I could have with them. If I could just see them and listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's a imperfect 
practice, right? Oh, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. not letting our stuff get in the way as often as possible. Yes. Oh yeah. Cause there are times right? that it absolutely does. <laughs> yeah. And I love what you said about the girls letting you in on that. I feel like there's seeing our kids and then there's the experience of feeling seen, mm-hmm. which are two different things. Yeah. You know, if the receiver isn't dialed in, right? It's like impact versus intention. If the receiver isn't feeling that attunement and that feeling seen, if the receiver doesn't feel like, you know, your talk of unconditional love is true, if the receiver isn't believing or trusting in the parent or the teacher or whoever, the person, the mentor in their life, that, that, that there's a authenticity to what they're bringing, then it doesn't, like, it's not even about language, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I love this about the human experience. Yes, there's language. And oftentimes we start with language because it's the easy place to start. Like, oh, just tell me what to say. But the deepest communication we do is energetic, yes. right? It's mm-hmm. that energy. It's that intention. And, and, teenagers specifically, since those, I mean, those are, those are my real clients are the teenagers, even though I never talk to them, right? Their bullshit radars are fine tuned, right? So it is a great training ground for authenticity, for dropping the agenda and for like really being present in the moment. And I think too, with teens, And I resisted this in my, and I kind of move in and out of resisting this. Like we don't get to control the outcome. We can't control the outcome for our teens, for our kids, for our young adults, even now it turns Mm -hmm. out I'm learning that too. That's annoying. Um, (laughs) But we can build influence through the relationship that we have with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so powerful. And, and, you know, not all of my clients have totally off the rail kids, but many of them, it's like, oh my God, I guess we're going to have to invest in parent coaching because what else are we going to do here? So I'll just Mm -hmm. give that caveat too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Is there a theme that you're seeing coming up in your work now that that with families that is different from before COVID? Um... Well, I think that COVID shook us all. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, and I was, you know, because I, I was also in the experience of parenting my teens. So, you know, 2019, I had a 16 year old and a 13 year old Mm -hmm. and we moved and my 16 year old was already struggling with mental health. That was already a thing mm-hmm. pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. She had already done a year of online school pre-COVID, okay. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then I think for most of us, I mean, we we that the crazy thing about COVID is we all went through it. Mm-hmm. Yes, like, we all went through it. And based on our resources, well, not even. I mean, there's there's different layers. I think on how resourced a family Mm -hmm. was, how able they were to manage their, you know, their kids experience. 
Um, I think that what I hear a lot from parents, what I did hear a lot from parents is like, we let go of screen time because we didn't know what else to do. It was the only way they could communicate with their friends. It was Mm -hmm. how they were doing school. And so post COVID, there's a lot of conversation about how do we rein that back in? What also, it's not just they're on their screens all the time, but it's the psychological impact that is still, jury is still out. I think we see hints and we all are guessing like we really fucked up with the screens. Mm -hmm. Like the adults and the adults need to take responsibility for that Mm -hmm. because we didn't see downstream. We didn't see we didn't, we didn't know, we didn't understand how these apps were designed. And I mean, I'm not going to demonize it because I, I use it and I have my, I mean, I have apps on my phone that are like cutting off my screen time because I have a hard time managing it myself. I'm a super distractible person. You know, if I have to wait around, I'm scrolling and then it's like, oh shit, it's been 45 minutes. So Mm -hmm. I'm an adult and that's hard for me. So I think that's a big piece of it. And that has rolled into some pretty significant, some very significant mental health challenges, depression, anxiety, um, specifically that I think, um, you know, nature, nurture, I think there's probably wiring in many of us for mental health challenges and then offer this opportunity or these, the screens or the COVID because COVID all of a sudden, this is a reality. Like pre-COVID, the idea that the entire planet could get sick was like, well, that couldn't happen. I mean, our planet is huge. That's not a real thing. Yeah. But now that's a real thing. You know, and then here in the States, I mean, shall I list all the ways that things are super effed up and unpre- super unpredictable? Uh-huh. I mean, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. And our kids are... And they're receiving all the information super quickly through their screens about this shooting or this war or this freaking politician saying this thing. You know, they're receiving it. It's not necessarily the truth all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a slanted opinion oftentimes that is. And and, I mean, so anyway, all of that to say, yeah, since COVID, Kids are anxious, they're depressed, but they're also, what I love about this generation is they are in their fullest expression. Yes. I love, and this is something for the parents to catch up on, right? Mm -hmm. Like they are out, they are, they're out of the box. They're Mm -hmm. not in the box. They don't even care about, they don't even really realize there's a box. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meanwhile, all of us Gen X parents are like, wait, 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 explain. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to understand. I don't really get it. Right. And our parents are like, what is going on with the grandkids? Yeah. So we're in the middle trying to translate, but not, you know, but we're in like Gen Z 101. So we don't have all the conjugation, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's this. So I think it's a both. And I think there's 
and I don't know what has fed into like where it's been fed into the other. I am so enamored by these kids that are coming of age right now. Mm-hmm. I love that they talk about mental health. My daughter sends me reels all the time, which are like, you know, well, I could do this or I could do this or I can do that or I can do this. And this is possible too. Oh my God, how do I choose? And recently we had a conversation and she was like, oh, it turns out I'm not unique at all. And that's a benefit of social Mm -hmm. media because they can all express themselves and see each other in like, oh, you feel like that too? Like this isn't just me freaking out and spiraling. So I, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad that you yeah, brought that forward so. because I think we, when we're solving problems, humans, I mean, in general, try to fit them into neat and tidy boxes, right? It's like, oh, well, yeah. this is the thing that's the issue. This is a problem. And so this is the thing we need to deal with. But the reality is it's so much more complex because absolutely there are significant issues with social media and there are significant gifts and you cannot yeah. deal with the issues without recognizing the gifts because it yeah. just it devalues all of the all of what's important in the gifts and yeah. the, and you're right like being able to see themselves being able to be connected being able to express their ideas in ways that have they've never been able to do before with no inc- fear with yeah. no fear it's yeah is incredibly powerful and at the same time for a certain population of kiddos, there is also radicalization that is happening. And that is also real and true. And so approaching this from a really nuanced place is something that we haven't done in this way before as a species. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, the only solution I've come up with is the entire planet of parents, just we all agree, no smartphones until they're like 16. Yeah. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. we don't let them get behind the wheel of a car. This, you know, like the maturity level, I feel like that's a place. And training. Yes. I was listening to a podcast, so I'm really obsessed with cults. I love cults. Yeah. I'm learning about cults. Yeah. <laughs> and I listened to this show called A Little Bit Culty. And yeah. they had this gal on who I think her book is called How to Raise Critical Thinkers. Mm-hmm. And she has such a awesome I want to get the book. I mean, now you know, I might have missed the boat on this one, but um, I want to get her book. She talks about just how to support our kids in discerning what they're seeing in a, in a really real way. Uh Right. Because I think that's, that's a, that's a, that's a messy part of this Uh is they haven't developed discernment. And so, like you said, the radicalization piece, right? Like, Mm -hmm. am I seeing, is this true? Yes. Who is this source? Right. What's the agenda here? I want my kids to be thinking like that. And I'm not convinced that they always are. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and part and of that dark, is there's dark, scary places. There are, there are dark, scary places that are, that are easy to get to. Right. And it is. Yeah. Very. But I think it is so important that we are giving kids the tools 
right? So I was um, in 2014, I was on a team that was really introducing technology into schools and the ways that we were using technologies. And I remember my principal at the time saying, right now we are in the wild west and we need to have fun and enjoy it while it lasts because this is not always going to be how it is. And so it's been fascinating to watch and observe, but I I bring that up because our philosophy going into it was this technology exists. It is only going to continue to proliferate. And if we don't teach them how to use it, how to implement it in ways that are meaningful and how to actually think through processes, we're going to be in a, we're going to be in a world of trouble and a world of hurt as we are. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of that work and, got, got shut down, right? Because there were risks well, that yeah. were coming up and all kinds of things. And it was like, mm. yeah. Well, and you were doing that at your school, at the school level, right? Mm. Meanwhile, this was at board level. At board level, even. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine what I have a friend who works with families around screen stuff. And she was a teacher for 20 years. And she, tracked it. You know, at the start of her career, there was no such thing as smartphones. And she Mm -hmm. watched how quickly every, how quickly it shifted and what, you know, and I just, I can't even imagine having that front row seat. She worked Mm -hmm. at a middle school. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's the screen thing is, is a big deal. And it, you know, and, and, and I, you're absolutely right. They, it is a part of life. So they do need to learn Mm-hmm. how to use it. And I think there's something to be said for, for waiting exposure, you know, for exposure and thinking yes. about when is the right, I mean, I'm all about limits. You know, we've got limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, my son is 18. So our limits are really just that the Wi-Fi shuts down at a certain time of night. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and some parents are like, Oh, my kid figures out the workaround. And I'm like, well, here's, here's the deal. When Ian was little, I took the box of cookies, I put it on top of the fridge, and he said, well, I can climb up there, Mom. I can get those cookies. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I know. I'm not putting them up here because I think you can't get them. I'm putting them up here so so we're not looking at them all day. I can't look at them all day and not, you know, have like a million cookies by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And the same is with the – that's been our relationship with the screen limits. It's not like – I'm going to figure out how to work around. And then I'm over here. Like, I'm going to figure out how to shut this down. It's really like, you know, thank goodness we have this tool that can help us because none of us really are very good at getting off of the device and making sure we get enough sleep. So let's help ourselves by, you know, playing with the Wi-Fi, Right. And that's how I look at that. And I'm very aware that next year he's going to do his own thing. But in the meantime, we're having conversations that sound like, hey, how's your screen time? Here's what I got. Let's see who wins, right? Let's see who's lower. Right. Right. And he'll be like, oh, God. He'll say, you know, oh, wow, this week it got a little out of control. And I'll say, how does that feel? And he's like, well, it feels kind of gross. Okay. Well, what would be where did you spend most of your time? You know, yeah. what would help you this week? Like, we're just having these conversations. I'm not like, okay, now you don't get allowance or right. now I'm going to take it. And it's, I, think, I want him to build his judgment around yeah. his relationship with screens. 
Yeah. And I think when you said like, how does that feel? I think that's such an important component of it. And actually, we're, like, so when we think about how the teenage brain works, having kids have empowered knowledge about how their brains are working <laughs> and, and how they're not ah. working, right, is really important so that they're understanding why they're driven to do the things that they are and the long-term impacts that it could possibly have and also feeling in their bodies. Because when I, so when my oldest was, oh God, he would have been like six or seven and I woke up and he's always been an early riser. Like he has woken up at 6am his entire life. He goes to bed at like nine. That's just, that's who he is. It's who he's always been. And one morning I got up and he was awake and something felt off. And I just was like, what's happening here? And Nate, my youngest at the time, comes around the corner and he's like, mommy, Will was up all night playing playing video games. And I Fortnite, was like, Minecraft. <laughs> it was Pokemon at the time. Was okay. Like, okay. What? And I see Will just like start to fade and Nate goes, yeah, uh, he told me. And Nate was like, I don't know, four, right? Like there was, he was just yeah, a yeah. fountain of information. He's like, yeah, he told me he got up at 1am to come downstairs and play Pokemon. <laughs> and I looked at Will and he just, he felt awful. Yeah. And it was the Yay, getting up in the middle. Right. Like exactly. Yes. And so I I was I, I did a little like because I had to my husband was taking um an adult learning course, so I had to drive him to school. So I was like, You're staying awake while I while we drive dad to school and then we're coming back and you're gonna stay awake while you have breakfast. And then mm -hmm. and then I was like, Okay, you go to bed now. And he slept all day. Yeah. But the conversation that we had yeah. at the end of it was how did you feel? And mm -hmm. And the, and it has it was a lesson for him that he's never forgotten and he never did it again. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things those that we, are such glory moments. I yeah. love those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ian's but, had you know Ian's had mischief evenings <laughs> where the next morning it's like he's in he's in the muck and mm -hmm. I remember one particular morning I was like you know, how do you, how are you feeling? And he was like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have. And I'm, and I sat there and I was like, okay, let's just sit in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just sit in that because there was a whole bunch of little choices and little decisions that you made that next time, you know, remember how you feel right now. Yes. Because there's always, you always have choices. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, you know, I had this, a similar situation with my daughter when she was younger, like, okay, let's just, how are you feeling? I feel really scared based on what was going on. Let's sit in it. Let's be with this, right? Because there are little choices that we make that lead up. And I, this is coming from someone who was a wild, mostly in college, but towards the end of high school, definitely off the rails in a lot of ways. So, and nobody asked me to sit in it. It was just more avoidance and moving on and not processing. Right. My kids, they're like, you're so strict. I'm like, how, what? I'm so strict. I'm the strictest parent. Like, what are you talking about? They're like, well, yeah, you never ground us or anything, but you always make us talk through things. Yeah. Like, process. I'm like, okay, I'll wear mm -hmm. that badge. Mm -hmm. I'm good with that.
Yeah. yeah. We have similar, con- we have similar conversations here as well, because we're really, it's about like, I will trust, I inherently trust you. That's where we're coming from until mm-hmm. you, if until, or when you give me a reason not to, but I will, I will trust you up until that point. And the building of that relationship and knowing that I held them in that way first was a motivation for them to continue the relationship, right? Which is where yeah. I think the theme of what we're talking about is really around that being present in relationship and teaching them how to yeah. actually feel. Because when we hit them with consequences or rules, and I'm not saying that they don't have their place. However, in my own experience growing up, my parents did not give me a curfew. They didn't like a lot of the things that my friends had, I didn't have, but I definitely had an but they had a high expectation of me and I valued my relationship with them. So mm. the, the, you know, high, the high school superlative that I won was best designated driver. Good time right oh, here. I, nobody would have given me that award. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents, I did have a curfew and I got grounded a lot because I did not like that curfew. So I would come home and I would go out the window. Exactly. Right. But when and then we... I get grounded because I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> And then I yeah. try to get better at it. It did not work out for me. <laughs> Whereas I didn't have any of those things to push against. So I yeah. could, I just, I knew that they trusted me. I knew that they had had a high expectation for who I was going to be in the world. And I valued that. I valued my relationship with them. And so yeah. I was the best designated driver. But. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. And it, it is the- <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, God, oh, girl, you could have been a little more fun. <laughs> That's yeah. the one. Everybody wanted to be friends with you because nobody wanted to drive. Yeah, they. I. It, they, I was the caregiver, right? Like I, I was yeah. always the caregiver in my group, and so there. There's well, the interesting. Sorry, go, go ahead. on. Sorry. <laughs> well, the interesting thing too, like especially talking about who I am now and this mm-hmm. phase of life, and think putting it in the context of where my kids are at. My daughter lives on her own. My son's, you know, nine months away from being on his own in college. Like if I'm, if all I leaned on over the last, you know, during their adolescence were consequences Uh there, you know, I, what's more important to me than the decisions they're making, which of course is important to me. Yes. But what's mo- more important to me is how they are learning through the decisions they're making, inclu- especially the, the ones that leave them, you know, the next day feeling like, oopsie, mm-hmm. I could have done better. Or Absolutely. how am I going to avoid that? I want them to be thinking about that. Yes. Right. I want, and I want to have a little real estate in their mind. I want to, I do want, which it sounds like your parents, you know, that's what they did well is they took mm-hmm. up a little real estate. You know, because I always talk about, we can't control, but we can build relationship to build influence and influence, influence means we get a seat at the table. Doesn't mean we're the voice that they choose every time, Uh but the best thing we can have is a seat in their internal table to add to whatever, you know, whatever other arguments their brain is making (laughs) for you know, why they should or shouldn't do something. Yeah. And now, you know, it's like, 
I want to know that if my kids get into trouble, they're going to call me. Yes. And they're not going to, I'm not going to make them feel worse than they already feel. Yeah. Right. And I think that's really powerful. And I want them to be critical thinkers. I want them to think and process instead of just push away. I'm not going to think about that, you know, and and avoid that feeling. And if they're living in a place of fear, then that part of their, if they're living in fear and they're in red brain or their prefrontal cortex is offline, then they, it's not possible for them to be, to be able to access those resources that either they do or don't have. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's another space for why it's so important to approach from relationship. And how do you actually feel in your body? Because if you're afraid, if you're afraid and that part and your brain is offline, you can't feel what's happening in your body. So you cannot make those connections. And it's really, really challenging to be present to what is actually happening. Right. Yeah. So when we give them the opportunity to actually feel and learn rather than be in a state of fear of what might of what consequences might happen. Yeah. Then there's more authentic learning that's happening there. Right. And, you know, thinking about midlife, mm-hmm. like for me, the lesson, because all we're doing is. The goal is to up the likelihood of best possible outcome. Right? Yeah. There's no do this and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. So what I noticed too in this phase of life as a woman and as a mother and even as a wife is that continuous practice of letting go of letting of surrendering to how, you know, and trusting the people in my life are in charge of their own journeys, right? Like it's not abandonment. It's not, you know, good luck with that. But it is like, I mean, even just today, knowing that there's different things going on in my kid's life and noticing how I feel in my gut, like how, like, okay, Case, I had this little pep talk just today. Like it's going to be, it's going to be as it's going to be. She's figuring it out. She's, you know, like, this isn't yours to take on and nah. I have to trust that everything's going to be okay. Whatever okay means doesn't matter, but that it's like, I, 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 I'm really quick to amesh and entangle myself in my right. kids' well-being. And nah. that's another big piece of right now as they move into their young adult years is like, I can't, that's not useful to them and it's definitely not useful to me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, the go. way I'm starting to conceptualize that high note. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is though in that it is it's self-leadership, right? It's commitment to self yeah. and being like, I am gonna lead myself. Love that. And by leading myself, I am sh- I'm making that space for them to also lead themselves through their lives, which is the skill that is mm. gonna get them to the best possible outcome right? If they can show up as the leader of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you for that languaging. Well, thank you. This has been a really good conversation. I feel Dang. like we just sort of like came <laughs> to the surface. But... We just talked about a hundred things. <laughs> so that, that's the way our brains it. work, it right? good. Awesome. I don't know how you're going to title this podcast. <laughs> well, I'll figure out a way. <laughs> All the things. 
all the things. A conversation about all the things. Yeah. Maybe that will be it. <laughs> Thank you yeah. so much for today. I hope this so. Really great. Yes. Yes. So happy to be here. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Lboat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid.